Hi, it's Bill Harvey. Welcome to Harvey at the Undisclosed Location, a series of conversations with creative stakeholders. Today, our guest is actor, writer, director, and educator, Arian Moyed. Arian recently joined me at the Undisclosed Location to talk about inspiration, creativity, and community. So, Arian, Arian Moyed, glad to have you here today. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm chilly. <laughs> Arian, I'm going to throw out some one-word descriptors and uh, see if right. see if anything yeah, makes me chuckle. <laughs> Arian, you're an actor. That's right. Writer, hmm? director, hmm? educator, hmm? parent, mm-hmm. advocate, mm-hmm. and... You are now chairman of the board. I'm now chairman of the board. <laughs> the chairman of the board. At Waterwell, yeah. Now I'm a chairman of the board at Waterwell. That's the newest thing. Crazy. All those things were pretty, you know, true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what I do. I, I first saw you perform in uh, Rajiv Joseph's Bengal Tiger at Baghdad Zoo. Mm-hmm. Amazing show. Uh, you, you played the role of Musa. That's right. Opposite the late great Robin Williams. Yeah, and you were nominated for a Tony for that role. Also crazy, but true. <laughs> Amazing show. Yeah, it was so, a good one. It was a cool experience all around. That's the first time that we met. Not when we met, but uh, the first you, time you I saw, saw you saw me at, perform. Yeah, as an actor, because mm-hmm. we had met during at the school. Yeah. At this point, we've been actually maybe met up a few times. Because that was March of 2011. 11. 11? I think we had only just, it wasn't years. I think it was like months. Because I think we like met in like, <laughs> I'm totally killing this. March of 2010. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, so I first saw you in uh, Bengal Tiger. You did introduce me to Robin. That's a special you... moment for me. Yeah. He was such a good person. Yeah, you know, that Crazy. was closing night of that show. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, I've talked to him for. 10 minutes yeah that was i remember that i remember you guys were and you guys were not on the stage you guys were in the orchestra he came down yep yep he came down uh yeah that's so weird i remember that like it was yesterday and then uh you just got back from a few months in london playing richard sod yeah in stephen Karam's humans that's a role you originated i did i did in new york at least yeah i think you've done like 600 performances is I what think I've that overall I have ended up doing 540 performances <laughs> in one two three four theaters wow yeah four theaters one of them the last theater was at the Hampstead in London which was amazing you played Hamlet in the dual language Farsi English water yeah. production of 2016 yeah a couple years ago yeah also an amazing experience that was you originated the role of Babur Oh, yeah, and of course. Rajiv's, uh... You have literally seen every play I've ever done. <laughs> uh, and Yeah, and Rajiv's Guards of the Taj, which, which was the same season as The Humans. So Guards won like three of the best ofs, and The Humans won like four of the best ofs, like awards or whatever those are, things are. Wow. Yeah, it was a really awesome year. And you just spent last summer doing that show at Steppenwolf with mm-hmm. Omar. With Omar, the original cast, and Amy Morton again directing mm-hmm. at Steppenwolf on the, uh, and and I also got married this summer, uh, which you came to. <laughs> um, I got married on the stage, where on the in on the stage where Chrissy and I met 15 years ago, and also in the rehearsal room when we first met, 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. That was amazing. 
And uh, Waterwell's producing a great short-form web series yeah. that you write and act in. Write and direct, and I don't act in it. Yeah, oh. Not the Axon Wolf, I'm not in. No, not, oh, wow, well, you're, you're in everything, so I'm just... Yeah, you're just <laughs> putting it all, mixing it all together, sure. Um, yeah, no, I just wrote and directed that one. Uh, that and stars that was, Kelly O'Hara. Yeah, Ms. O'Hara. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a bunch of amazing people, Laurie Metcalf and Dennis O'Hare and... Sa and Marcia Stephanie Blake and blah, 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 blah. Lots of great, 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 great actors in it. The first season is out. There is nine in the first season. It is, it is, it's on the accidentalwolf.com. It is something we're really proud of and just got nominated Crazy Love also in the summer for an Emmy Award, which is insane (laughs) to think about. It's so funny to me. And you guys are, uh, doing a second season. Second season has been shot. We are editing right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. A big plate of things. Uh, yeah, you've done movies. Yes, movies that no one's ever seen. Lots of those. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did a bunch of those. And uh, you're in the HBO show uh, Succession. 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 And you which is, which I play Stewie. You play Stewie. Stewie, 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 Stewie. <laughs> what a piece of work is Stewie. <laughs> Just the name uh, alone is plenty. <laughs> I hear you, Stewie. Stewie is his name. Oof. Waterwell is also a nonprofit that provides a conservatory education free to New York City public middle school and high school students. That's at, correct. At the professional in the curriculum, in the curriculum, we're inside of your day school. We're not after school here. We do after school programming as well, but the majority of our work is in the schools as a part of the curriculum. And how essential it is to have that. And that's primarily at PPAS. Primarily at PPAS, yeah, at the Professional Performing Arts School. And branching off into other places as well, and, and also in, at the new school as well. And one of the cool programs that you do at PPAS is this New new Works Lab. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the seniors get to work on a world premiere play with a emerging playwright. New Works Lab, professional playwright, professional director at our school, creating new shows for those kids. Those shows get published. More and more people get to do those shows across the country, um, really kind of investigating the, the storylines of these students living in New York at this moment in time and seeing who they are and what they are and how to evaluate that through theater. That's the New Works Lab. Plus, uh, playwrights include Stephen Karam and Becca Brunstetter of This Is Us and Nick Jones of Glow and... And I can go on and in Quee and Dale Orlander Smith and Mona Mansoor and blah, 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 blah. I'm forgetting so many. I apologize. So it's been a lot of great, 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 great writers coming in and doing that kind of stuff with the school. It's an amazing opportunity for yeah. New York City high school students. Yeah. And then uh, the Waterworld Theater Company. Yeah, just, on the theater side of things. Just named a new artistic director, Lee Sunday Evans. Yeah, a name that is... You know, has, every, anytime you say Lee Sunday Evans's name, you have a smile on your face. She <laughs> is, she is a great human being, an unbelievable talent. She is a visionary. She understands that the world of theater is not confined in these boxes called theaters. They could be elsewhere and in the community, um, and and she is she has a real great energy for empathy. Waterwell is a company that really like kind of tries to as best as it can like pump on empathy all the time in our stories in our the way that we create 
opportunities outside of the theater boxes, the way that we teach students. It's not just you're getting world-class theater education. They're also getting like artist as citizen and citizenship. And what does it mean to be a, 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 a good human being and excellence and engagement and empathy? And so it's a, it's a bigger idea. It's, mm -hmm. it's an idea that kind of can, that kind of like lives in all of these pockets, you know? Uh, even the even the for-profit Waterwell Films section of it that did the Accidental Wolf that that show is like a big empathy thriller. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like how do you care about people in really crazy circumstances and still make it like exciting in a thriller? And and Kelly just drings that baby home. Yeah. And and we hear new points of view on. We hear all about the Sierra Leonean experience. What it what it's like to be on the ground there? How does it late feel to like to be in the states? Anyway, so that's kind of what the organization is as a whole. Mm -hmm. Well, I always like to ask people. You know, the tag is inspiration, creativity, and community. Yeah, I love that. And so, how did you get started on this journey? Yeah, was there something that inspired you, or I don't? You know, that's such. I wish I knew the answer to this question because I do think I get it asked a lot. I just think it's a multiple layered thing. I mean. I'm 38. As a 38-year-old, I think at this point in my life that part of the reason that this is this is I'm here right now talking to you about these things is because I'm an immigrant. I mm -hmm. think that's that's my under that's what I think I because my parents came to this country, you know, in their 40s. I was 5 from Iran, dragged all across the globe to come in 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 in, in you know the mid-80s. One brother had just fought in the Iran-Iraq war. Another of, of my brothers was living in the States for four years by himself, as he's a he was a student at the time. And my sister was back in Iran, like upside down, upside down, and escaping war and all of that, but also culture and comfort and ease and friends. And, and then I, I was a witness of that. They, don't, they didn't speak the language that well. So I, at a very young age, became the translator you know, can you tell them what I'm saying? And it's, I'm talking to, I don't know what, you know, like the phone bill guys at eight. The language is a big thing. And at a very young age, I'm kind of like thrown into that world. And, and that I think influenced like, like, you know, a very quick maturity level. Mm -hmm. uh, and on top of all that, it's messy. That immigrant experience is very, 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 very messy. Lots of emotions are flying around. Lots of loneliness, lots of hope back and forth almost and and so and so and I saw my parents like kick butt and do it and they were the most resilient gritty people I know and so like things don't seem as hard as that to me my mm -hmm. mom was married to my dad at the age of 13 had her first kid at 15 second kid at 16 third kid at 18 fourth kid me mm -hmm. at 35 so when she had a, a seven and then that 17 year old that was the baby is now flung into war a war where a cousin of mine died at. Like my first cousin died at. My brother who fought in that war for two years as a 17 year old. That's what she, and then come to the States. It's like, it's, there's too much stuff for human beings to handle. And I think that seeing all that made me think, you know what? It's not, nothing, it's just not as hard as that. That was, that was hard. That felt hard to me. Man, and the rest of it feels not as hard. Hmm. 
I mean, difficult, and there are plenty of obstacles, and plenty of failures, and setbacks, and 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 moments of like anger, and all that stuff is still there. But but overall, you know, all those things that you've listed feel very doable, you know, in a, in a way. And it's also it's also community. I also saw the Iranian community come into our households every weekend. Mm. And us going to other Iranian and that community of people, you know, helping each other and rem- and telling stories of how they got here and telling stories of remember back in the day. Do you remember that guy? I remember that. Guy. Do you remember when, you know, talking about stories is the way that culture kind of like lives on, which is what the theater is. That's what the theater is. And so those correlate themselves to me. So mm. also Waterwell is a community of excellent people. Mm-hmm. All of those things that you listed have, you know, th- at least one, if not 10 people that have done, if not 20 people that have done so much awesome work at the company to make that happen. So, uh, you know, you come to the, uh, you, you guys went to the Midwest, right? Yeah, we got to Chicago in the wintertime. It was, ni- we got <laughs> in in 1985. Uh-huh. I was five years old and we got in and it was freezing cold. I remember that. And then we moved into this apartment that my brother lived at, but he came when he was 16 because he went to college at, mm-hmm. in Chicago. And so we're living in this little apartment and, you know, on Berwyn. And all of a sudden it's like, here we go, life. And I remember like both the hope and the fear, like inside of those walls. Which we, laid, we, we, which we couldn't, it, there was too many of us living there. It was, mm-hmm. There was, I guess, five of us living there. And so then we got out of Dodge and we went to the suburbs. And again, that's even a miracle. I'm being honest, like the mere fact that my family figured out to move to a suburb but live in the not predominantly wealthy section so we can benefit by getting the schooling of mm-hmm. this predominantly wealthy public school. Even that, it seems to me impossible. And they did that. That seems hard to me. Yeah. It all seems harder to me. Hmm. You're dual language, mm-hmm. at least, right? Yeah. Only, yeah. Oh, well, dual, yes. Mm-hmm. Farsi and... Farsi and English, yeah. <clears throat> I was in ESL classes. Uh-huh. Because I didn't speak any English. Right. So f- I was in ESL from, like, basically first grade to fourth grade, mm-hmm. learning English. Um, and And the ESL group, which was maybe, like... There was maybe, you know, maybe like 15 of us. We had to perform in a, like what I, I'm going to describe as like a, a hello ceremony, which is basically we come and say hello in our languages, in our native garb and to each other and then teach the audience that or something, something like that. I don't remember the specifics. And it was, I remember it was in the third grade and I went up there and I was flipping out flipping out and my 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 costume was definitely more like from the russian side of iran (laughs) than anything else because i didn't think my parents had like the proper stuff to make that happen so it looked a little maybe russian (laughs) (laughs) like maybe from the azerbaijan region or something Mm -hmm. and i said hello and i remember looking out in the audience i remember miss roar my third grade teacher like waving at me and i was like this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) this is absolutely the greatest thing i've ever felt in my life in high school i mean really in high school we we, there were so many shows 
and I started doing the shows and and some of them were I mean I'm sure they were all high school shows not as good as the ones that I think our students are doing we just I just saw a production of uh Machinal last night that the, mm-hmm. the juniors did that was unbelievable unbelievable all this to say that you know we were just doing plays we were doing all the standard plays that you would do at a at a public high school and but just getting a lot of opportunities for that and then and then you know I don't know how the transition was made, but every Iranian boy, like I'm guessing every Iranian immigrant boy, there's an expectation that you're going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. But my brother was a doctor, the one that fought in the war, ended up coming to the States and became an anesthesiologist. So my parents had that bragging right. And then my other brother, the one that was here when he was 16, was like a very successful businessman with like multiple stores and shops all across the country. So they had that bragging right. So I was, I kind of like slipped on in between <laughs> and, and, and I remember just crying one day and my dad's like, why are you crying? And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And he's like, do what you want to do. And he's like, just whatever you do, just be amazing at it. And I was like, oh, okay. That's a good goal. I guess. I don't know what I said at the time. Um, and then I applied for schools and I didn't get into any schools. Zero. I got into zero schools. I got to Indiana university and that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And two two or three little milestones that I always think about this happened at this time. When I was 17, I had a film studies class uh, that was the teacher's name was Mark Ferguson, who we're still friends. Mark, the movie El Mariachi, Robert Rodriguez's El Mariachi had just right. come out in Sundance mm-hmm. like a, a couple years ago. Yep. Big hit. He mm-hmm. made it on $7,000 yep. of drug money. Yep. And he wrote a book, Rebel Without a Crew. And at the end of the book is it like an appendix. And in it, somewhere in there, it had something like, if you are a great, if you want to be a great director, you have to make 17 bad movies. And my 17-year-old, 18-year-old brain, that t- made so much sense to me. Like I was like, oh, I completely get that I- idea. If you do it a lot, eventually you get better. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't do it a lot, you won't get better. So I'll know. I will know. If I stop doing it, I, I won't get better. That was one thing. And then I went to Indiana University for like a, a, a seminar to like meet like the undergraduate advisor, Charles Railsback, who is now my friend. And Charles, um, I asked him, how many shows can I do here? And he goes, well, you can do as many as you like. So I did. I ended up doing 15 shows while at Indiana University. Wow. And then along the way, I met Tom Ridgely. And then we met another professor by the name of Murray McGibbon, who we're still friends with. And Murray said, "A in the theater, A plus B does not equal C. A plus B equals giraffe. <laughs> and that made a lot of sense to us. And then basically we're like, oh, so we can do whatever the fuck we want to do. <laughs> we can literally do whatever the hell we want to do. No one's going to tell us. That. So we moved to New York and... The idea that we were going to make theater to change the world sparked at 21, 22 years of age. And we knew essentially nobody. And and we started Waterwell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we just started doing shows. And we didn't know any writers and we didn't know any... We had we didn't come from money. We had no idea how to do a nonprofit. We didn't know law. We didn't know anything. We knew nothing. So we wrote and directed our first show, and then we put it up, and thirty people came, and then we did it again, and along the way we became a nonprofit, and <laughs> and then we did another show, and that led to another show, and that led to another show, and then we were getting better writers and better 
really trying to be responsive to the world that was around us, trying to not pick sides. Um, and it's not about our political leanings. It's because we we were now reading, Tom and I were reading, you know, uh, uh, we were reading the Bible, and we were reading uh, the essays of Martin Luther King, and we were reading about Gandhi, and we were reading about all of these amazing people. And they were inspiring us, and that was like our thing. That was our kind of like worldview. I mean, we were also punk kids that were also, you know, doing whatever the fuck we wanted to do. But still, like, those were the things that were inspiring us at that time. And and then so we got better at that too. We got better at the empathy side of things, I think. And then and then we did, you know, Hannah and myself and Rodney and Tom Ridgely, Hannah Cheek, Rodney Gardner, Tom Ridgely, and myself, um, with Lauren Kreger doing the music. We made a show called The Persians. And we were, I guess, like 25 or 26-ish. And that show just spoke to people. We, d- we adapted Aeschylus' The Persians and called it The Persians, a comedy about war with five songs. Um, and it went from, you know, under St. Mark's, and then it went to the old Paris Street Theater, and then the New York Times came. Hmm. The New York Times came, and then they gave us a rave, and we extended a bunch, and... People saw the show, and then, and then you know, 15 months later, I was doing a pilot with Spike Lee and Tom Fontana, and Barry Levinson was producing, and then, like, you know, and then things trickle in, and Waterwell's shows got bigger and bigger and bigger, and then along the way, as a day job, I was teaching at the Professional Performing Arts School, became friendly with those guys, put in an application to run the school. They accepted the application, and, and you know, then the education program was just a, a, a furthering of the mission. It was a furthering of how to change people's lives through theater. So that's kind of like the trajectory. But I'm, always, I'm very interested in place. Is place important to you as a creative person? Yeah, no, I think, I think I do believe that place is a very important thing for me. I love New York City. I think it's a ex- shining beacon of hope with regards to democracy working. We make it work. Yes, there's bumps and bruises. Yes, the trains suck. Yes, so much (laughs) stuff. But we make this work. And if the rest of the world were to see this place, I feel like people would stop. We can start talking about the ways that we connect. And so I do think of that. Also, I've only lived, it's so funny because you and I have completely different like New York City experiences. One, you being the mayor of Williamsburg. Uh, me also being, me being, I've only lived in Midtown Manhattan. <laughs> I've only lived in Hell's Kitchen, period, the end. And that place to me is, is the place that I want to die at. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love it there. Mm-hmm. And it's flawed in a gajillion ways, but it's also my place. It's my home and that and and decisions were made as a young vagabond actor, you know, that what are the choices of the shows that we're, I'm going to be doing? And and oftentimes that leads to me saying no to projects that are not in New York City. Uh, I've done that more times than I probably my agents and managers would like me to admit mm-hmm. because I have a life here. I have and I and. And as much as I love America and all the different cities in America, and I love Chicago, and as much as I love London and all these other great places, and at the end of the day, I like being in this place. We water well, and our belief is that, yes, no, theater should be changing place. 
place should be changing theater. That's why we think at Waterwell, putting shows outside of that theater box. How do we get the community to come back and invest in the theater? And how do we stop it from being this thing that acts as it, that, uh, that, that, that has, that needs wealth and access and privilege to go see? Let's flip it on its head and see what else is out there and see what cool stuff can be made. Well, in, th in theater, there's the, uh, there's usually two components at least. Yeah. A viewer and then someone doing an activity. Yeah, exactly. Someone doing an activity <laughs> and someone watching that activity. Yeah. I mean, some people might even forego those yeah. and say you don't it's need. More, it could be more. It could be more. It could be less. Yeah, exactly. It could be singular. That's performance theory that. Yeah, no, I know exactly <coughs> what you're talking about. That, 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 that just serves for the exploration mm. in a lot of ways. So theater exists in this meta sphere yeah the magic that happens between an audience and a performer mm -hmm. and then it's within a within a place and uh, i'm kind of not really asking a question yeah <laughs> but i think that's <laughs> it but no that 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 <laughs> i think answers the question that you asked of me mm. i it's not i don't know if it's by if it's just two things but two things that it can be is the community and the the and the doers of the activity as you were saying and and those two things together rarely want to talk to each other. I think that we want theater to be given to everyone and given as an access point because it's the easiest thing to do. Get up, run around, be imaginative, play. You know, when you're a kid and play cops and robbers or whatever. Like, imagine, see, feel. Yeah, sure, you're a monster. Sure, okay, who cares? <laughs> You know, I do that with my kids all the time. You're a monster. Okay, I'm a monster. Great. What kind of monster? And then they say, look, you don't have a shield. Yeah, I do. I got the shield yesterday. <laughs> you know, play. Yep. And when you have kids that play like that, their imagination can go wild. And when they have that imagination go wild, what happens is that they start building confidence. And when you start building confidence, you make better decisions. I think that, that theater has wide-reaching tentacles to every household if necessary and for free what do you need but an imagination and just a little bit of like risk <laughs> i mean that's it and in in, in 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 classrooms it's not like even real risk it's it's it's, it's make-believe risk Maybe, are there two types of performances there seems to be a style of projecting uh kind of megaphone yeah here is my message. Boom. Message. And then there's, is there another style that is? Um, truth. Truth. Mm. I think that's the other thing. Because if it's truthful, if it's honest, it means that it's messy. And, and let the people decide what it is. Let the people decide. I don't need, I am Iranian. I'm an immigrant. I am male. I am straight. I don't have... I have my own values. Some of them are probably similar to yours. Some of them are probably not similar to yours. And blah, 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 blah. We're both going to see a piece of art and we're going to decide. And inside of a space and a place. And I think that if that is the overall tenant of the piece of art that's being made, I think you get away from the, you know, what you were saying, the like, you know, like the megaphone, like, I'm trying to tell you something. This is the message. Don't you get it? Into that, I think, is the other way of doing it. Just be truthful. Let people decide, you know. Do you think about audience? I do think about the audience. I'm saying it in a hushed tone because I'm like, 
is that is that embarrassing that I said that? Does that make me less of an artist for saying that? I think I think about the audience a lot, actually. You know, can we use the accidental wolf as an example? Yeah. The accidental wolf has so many moments in it where Judith Ivy's character mm -hmm. is giving a very strong, very tough monologue to Kelly O'Hara's character about what it means to be white and have privilege and not right. volunteering and not and what you she should what Kelly O'Hara should be doing with her life. And and it's a very messy monologue. Some of it's like slightly like monster esque. Some of it is like pathetic. Some of it makes you really sad feel bad for her. Some of it's like slightly racist. It's like all of it. And and I was definitely making sure that it was all in there. Because I thought that the audience would want to see something that is that real and that complicated. I always think about the audience. And I also want to make impact. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. I'm not just trying to entertain. I want to make impact through art. And so how do you do that? You get truthful. When you're doing uh, a live performance, of yeah. the, when you're acting, you get energy from audiences, yeah. different audience. It seems that as a group, audiences yeah, group have diff mind. different energy, right? Yeah. yeah, man, that's 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 the spirits. That's the that's the good stuff. Um, I don't. I I I think a lot of it is. I'm gonna say this the easy stuff, but I think a lot of it is opening yourself up and saying, "This is me, as truthful as I can be. Flawed, not perfect, and." This is what I'm going to do. This is me. And really trying to g empathize. For I think acting comes easier for me because I think my parents taught me a lot about empathy and caring about other people. Mostly because we were immigrants that needed everyone needed some help. Mm -hmm. Our communities, all of our community communities needed some help somehow, some way. And so we, my parents were a, a conduit for that. And I watched that constantly. Come over to our house. Let me help you with this. Let me help you with this. Let me. And, and, and then it was very easy for me. And it's still very easy to me to try to, as best as I can, as with all of the DNA that I have and all my experiences that I have, to try to empathize with the broad strokes of what a person might be going through. And what happens in those moments is I think I dive into that person's story. Mm -hmm. Make it up. But I dive into a person's story. And then I've now built a world like very quickly. So on stage, when I'm acting opposite another actor, mm. I'm trying to feel all of the things that that person must be feeling by having me here and vice versa. And that has a level of truth, you know, radar that's trying to and and it doesn't mean that the truth is it's your truth oftentimes you know what i mean it's like it doesn't mean that that's what's actually happening but it's just like i said my dna and the way that i'm built and, and my experiences have put something on that and 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 now i'm just you know and then in those moments i kind of like navigate it as i think people do in real life as best as they can yeah but in high stakes so in high stakes great way to 
describe so when so in, in acting whatever the shamanic form of yeah. being that is so you're listening and trying to bring truth to a not untruthful situation but a situation where we're enacting yes. human truth yeah and then you have the observers do you feel the audience yeah in that interaction yes you can Sometimes you don't. You, to don't. you don't try to keep that. I don't third do that wall, because I, I, it's hard for me to do exclude. I just like, to, I, I, I gotta be. I don't like perform to them ever. Mm-hmm. I don't give it to them ever. I try to invest as much as I can with the partners on stage that I have, or in the story in the story that we're telling. But even Uta Hagen says you can only have thirty percent of member. You know, full concentration on stage. And she's like, and I'm great. <laughs> and I'm doing 30%. So like, it's like, so it, it, in a way, you can't not. You start feeling energies in very specific ways with groups of people, especially when as an actor on stage. And a lot of that is just the skill of maneuvering a silence in a space to make sure that nobody moves. Do you know what I mean? And, and a lot of it is as simple as let it all go, just focus in on the other person. And just be good. You're good. You are enough. A lot of it is that. And I always say this to acting students. Think of, stop thinking about the choices that you're going to make. Think about how you're going to only help your partner. How can you help them do their thing? Because then all of a sudden it becomes, if nothing else is going on, it's active. The act of helping is very noticeable. We as human beings witness it all the time. I was talking to a friend the other day. I think I actually think of acting first as a storyteller. Mm -hmm. I think that I approach it first as like, where is the heart? Where is the, you know, where is the spiritual story? Where is the the interpersonal story? Where is the global story? And I and and then if it has all three of those, I link all those three together, and I say, okay, I can tell. I can be a part of this story. Now what do you want me to do? You want me to memorize this? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Show it, it up needs Tuesday. To, yeah, and then it's like okay, okay. The rest of it, it seems stand easier. here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just explore truths, truths, and more truths. You know, but yeah, exactly like that. <laughs> I think of the phrase that Stanislavski has is, "Acting is living beautifully in imaginary circumstances un- under a beautiful artistic form." I think I think a lot of people say this about me. You, uh, this is what it is. <laughs> what you see is what you get. Like I am like this with my kids too. <laughs> so, but because of my experiences and being validated in certain ways, Tony nomination, being in cool shows, and also tasting the top. Robin Williams did a movie with Bill Murray. Work with John Stewart and and seeing what the top is like and seeing what the bottom is like with like off 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 Broadway. <laughs> um, that it all is kind of the same stuff. And it and and it doesn't impress me in a weird way anymore. I let go of all of that other stuff mm-hmm. and just like mm, this is it. I'm this person. There's a mythology of artists as outsiders, yeah. and you know um, whether it's visual artists, mm-hmm. musicians, whatever you know. And many artists think of themselves as outsiders. Do you think of yourself as an outsider? I was just thinking that. I don't, but I do. <laughs> I don't, but I do. I don't think like I have any sort of exclusivity, but I also don't 
like boxes. <laughs> I don't like them. I don't like being told that this is the only way to do it. Get in the box, Arian. <laughs> I don't. It just bo- it's just the <laughs> idea of like this has to be this way. It's like why? Why does it have to be any way? <laughs> says who? Who says? Who says? I'm tired of saying like, you know, especially in, in the in the theater world when people are trying to like create new things and there's a machine that is being built of like you do this and then you do a development lab and then you're going to go to this place and then once you go to this uh, retreat then you're going to get this thing and then you're going to submit it through your agent and it's like that that and then then you will get a reading and then we will do 4 years of development and then you will get it's like why why is this the system why can't the first draft be great i don't you don't know what do you know <laughs> nobody you know i always Tracy Letts, who mm-hmm. is an amazing playwright, wrote his, you know, one of his masterpieces, Killer Joe, like in a split, like a split second. And he wrote it and it was a masterpiece and it went to the West, blah, 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 and it was made into a movie and it's, uh, you know what I mean? Like it was a first draft and mm-hmm. it was a young kid, you know, put all this to say that we don't have to do the system just because it's the system. There's other ways of doing things. Artists work differently. And it might be, look, the cor- this show that we're about to do called The Courtroom, which is I took these court transcripts from 2007 and about a deportation case. I have not written a single word. I have arranged this text together and it's going to be performed as a reenactment of a deportation proceeding in the Thurgood Marshall Courthouse. I have not added anything to it. I have not like added any spin to it. It is what it is, what it is, what it is. That's it. That idea sparked while I was in Chicago this summer, sometime in July, being like, I need to do something about all this immigration stuff. I need to do something. And so that was in July, and we were in November. I don't know how many months that is, but it's not a year yet. In the traditional theatrical model, this thing would have been sliced and diced, put into a blender, added to a public reading, then is the, 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 the to all at the end be like, we're not doing the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm tired of that. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing someone's not going to do the show. Well, that's why Waterwell is, 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 is a place where we don't have to have that. And I saw, called up Lee and I was like, you know, what about this idea for the courtroom? She's like, yeah, let's do that right now. That seems like something that can like respond to the world. I, I, so I am an outsider in that way, I guess. How do you see your role in community? And I guess, and that's also like what it, we're kind of circling around the same ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideas. I love these conversations. So, and whatever community is like, um, so we're talking, so I guess audience slash community. Yeah. <laughs> community infers that you are part of. Well, it's, I guess in a way we should maybe call it communities yeah. because the plural of it has a sense of trying to, talk to and and collaborate for me i mean you know trying to find more and more ways to reach into other communities there's so many communities so part of it is trying to access those communities and tell their stories and have their community leaders kind of be advocates for the stories that they want to tell and 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 we being a voice and a a creative mind to make those those ideas kind of like flourish and the reach could only be one person. One person is enough. And I believe in that. So what's inspiring now? We, you know. Yeah. It's, it's usually people. Mm-hmm. It's usually like regular people 
telling regular stories. Right. Terrell McCraney, the playwright, inspires me. Amazing. LeBron, with all the school stuff that he does, inspires yep. me. Yep. You know, those are the things. I think it's people doing acts of kindness to help better society inspire me. Wow, Arian, I think that's a great place to stop. Done. I think we covered a lot. We did it. Right? We're going to do this again. I hope so. I really enjoyed this. I love it. I love these conversations. Yeah, and uh, thank you so much for spending this time with us. And uh, Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Arian. That was great. And that's all for today's Harvey at the Undisclosed Location with our guest, Arian Moyed. Hope you enjoyed it. You can watch Waterwell's series, The Accidental Wolf, at accidentalwolf.com. Thank you for listening. I've got some great guests lined up, so stay tuned for more Harvey at the Undisclosed Location. And I'll catch up with you guys later.